Welcome to episode three of the Shoulda Backed It podcast, covering the Caulfield Cup and Everest meetings. My name is Philip Georgios, and joining me is Herald Sun racing analyst Chris Finuccio. Good morning, Phil, and it's great they're able to meet up the day after the races, and I reckon yesterday I had 10 Shoulda Backed It's. It was that kind of day for me. It was a massive day yesterday. I was out, back out there at the races. Chris, let's get right into it. What was your Shoulda Backed It for the day? Well, the main one, I guess, was in the was in the big race, the Caulfield Cup, and I know I was talking up the horse last week, the Japanese Raider Murder Glass, and I kind of second-guessed myself with the barrier. I just got too obsessed with where I was going to be in the run. I knew I was going to be back in the field and might have to make a big run to win, but in the end, you watch the race and... They bunched up in that middle stage and that just allowed him and Damien Lane to just blend into the race and top of the straight always looked like it was going to win. Yeah, that must hurt even more given last week you uh, mentioned that particular horse, the fact that it had won five in a row and was coming and to take on the field and didn't even get on it in the end, Chris. No, I think I was just... Um, I, yeah, I just allowed myself just to be too worried about where was going to be positioned in the run and I think that's important as well. But just the way the race just unfolded, he, he he was just a better horse on the day. And I think you look at other horses in the race, I thought Finch from... I know Finch drew wide as well, but I thought he had the tactical speed to go forward at least. And he would have been something that Murder Glass would have had to catch. But he was caught three wide for most of the trip and got exposed at the top of the straight too early. And then you had Constantinople and Val and Declare. I thought it was a... Tricky race as well. These cups are becoming more of a lottery now with the internationals and which horse is going to be the one for the Melbourne Cup and you know is going to have that Melbourne Cup run and which horse is the one that's there to win. I just overthought it in the end. And that's easy to do with these sorts of fields, as you said. So many different form lines. I think we touched on it last week. But, look, I stayed pretty quiet in that race myself, not really knowing where to go given all those different variables. But you've, you've touched on a couple of horses there. And the one I did end up getting on in that race was Finch. And I do think it was a pretty good run, all things considered. Um, being out there on track in the, in the driving rain and the, and the wind of Caulfield, it actually did pretty well to sit three and four wide without cover at times and still run on quite well, I thought, um, over the 2,400. Yeah, I thought it was a great run. And I know that a lot of, um, a lot of people will be looking at Constantinople and his run, and I think he, was, he found a bit of traffic as well. But don't discard Finch for the Melbourne Cup. He's a big, grinding horse, and I think Flemington will suit him better. And he was three wide. And I, as I mentioned before, top of the straight, I think he hit the front too early but I think there was just circumstances of being wide and and just not being able to make his run at the the time that Michael Walker wanted to do it so I think he's a great chance for the Melbourne Cup still and I, I think the race itself was a was a really good addition I think they fanned out about eight wide coming around the final turn so it was uh, anyone's game at that point but I think the winner yeah. was definitely deserving and and quite dominant in the end yeah I only had a look at the race about once or twice and it did look like, and you know, I might be wrong here, but it did look like they were going hard early, and then all of a sudden, mid-race, they've slowed down a bit, and that's when they've bunched up, and Murder Glass has just caught that wave, and even though it was one of the widest runners, it just was full of momentum, and it was just really finishing strongly. So is it one to follow into the Melbourne Cup, you'd say? I mean, that's a pretty easy statement to make, given its dominance, but... There are, were a few good runs behind it as well and other horses coming into that race. Yeah, it will be. I think the 
the key for Murder Glass is whether it can run 3,200. That was its first time at 24. Mm. When you look at some other horses, like Constantinople, I thought was a great run. And before the race, I thought um, it would run well without winning. I thought this would be the horse where they give it that Melbourne Cup run and get it right for that race. And then Finch as well. We know Finch ran fourth last year. And Bow and Declare will really improve. I mean, I with Bow and Declare, I was sort of... I uh, had a knock on him because I thought he had a really soft run first up and that might leave him vulnerable here. But that was a big performance, so he'll really improve the 3,200 as well. Well, I look forward to having a chat with you about that prior to the Melbourne Cup as, as, as everything becomes a bit more clear as we head into the race. Uh, look, I know you've, you could probably spend all day talking about the horses you should have backed, but I, I better add mine uh, while, while we're here together. So I liked the thought of that um, based on its win. I mean, anyone who saw that win probably thought, gee, how, was it? how wasn't I on that after about a four-length win um, uh, in about race four, I think it was. Eight-length eight winner, Donald, in its previous start, uh, did, did sort of come, come around as being a horse that we, sh- we should have been on in hindsight. Mm-hmm. I know Miami Bound probably started favourite. But it didn't get missed in the market, thought of that. Came into about $4.20. And in hindsight, uh, definitely one we should have been on. Yeah, I think I'll have to admit, I I missed it. I did see its big wins, but I was looking at the opposition it was beating and looking at their other runs. And you know, what he beat wasn't really much. They were very ordinary horses, very slow horses. And I think I just put too much emphasis on that. And I was looking at Warning and Miami Bound. Mm. And that brings me to the horse that I should have sacked. It was in the same race, Miami Bound. And uh, yeah, I, got, I got this race completely wrong. I mean, Miami Bound, start before 1,600 metres, really wasn't finishing strongly. And so how is it going to run, you know, 2,000 metres? And, and the market showed that. It was 270 out to 370 on the day. And... Yeah, I think I've, I just got this race completely wrong. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I was on Miami bound and yeah. never really looked like getting into the race at all with the winner being so dominant. Mm. I mean, the, I, just heading back to thought of that, though, uh, the market didn't miss, and I think it's sometimes useful to look at the market as a guide for some yeah. of these horses. Obviously, despite the fact it hadn't beaten much yeah. at Donald previously, yeah. there was a lot of good money yeah. for it, which is probably a guide and a bit of a reference yeah. point for us in and, the future, I think. And the big punters were spot on because it was... It was going to control the speed, whereas Warning and Miami Bound were going to be back in the field. Warning's won well, but too much ground to make against a talent-like thought of that. And I think he's really, you know, put his derby credentials there. I think he's a big challenge to Shadow Hero. Yeah, I haven't looked at the uh, market since that run, but I imagine it's shortened right up into one of the favourites, I would have thought, based on that, uh, given given the dominance. And the fact that it looked like it could eat up more ground by the end, it was it certainly wasn't tiring. Yeah. No, it was a big run, big run. So my should have sacked it for the weekend uh, was probably, uh, might be a little bit controversial. It's Royal Meeting and Land of Plenty out of the same race. Uh, Streets of Avalon got the job done in that one. But look, the reason I have them both is that they only took them two out in the quaddy together. So uh, I, I did think it was between them before the race and probably got a little bit caught up with Royal Meeting. I think when you get one of these horses internationally that's got some tremendous, uh, well, previously good form, um, you can get a little bit caught up. It was only its third start. It had a big weight, hadn't been to Australia or seen Caulfield before. 
as I said, the, the, the conditions on the day were quite challenging and it would, you know, did add a question mark around a lot of the races and probably in a bigger field than it's ever been before. So in hindsight, perhaps the price wasn't as good uh, as it looked based on um, its previous two starts. And given it wasn't its grand final as well in Australia, uh, I guess one that in hindsight probably shouldn't have been so aggressive on in my in my quaddy along with Land of Plenty, who who also is unfortunately out of a bit of form at the moment, um, had the big weight as well. And to be honest, pretty happy to sack moving yeah. forward with that one as well. Yeah, I, I was on Royal Meeting. I'm not too regretful that I was on it. I thought 350, 360 was a good enough price to have a crack at it. I suppose the weight wasn't so much the issue for me because it's a 50... It was 60 kilos on a, in a race where the minimum was 57, so yeah. it was pretty condensed. It was the year off and whether, you know, needed that run. But I thought the opposition was, you know, it was in good opposition. Streets to Avalon is a good horse, but I thought, you know, maybe Royal Meeting might be one out of the box. It was a good ride by Patrick Cosgrave. I thought he put him in the perfect spot, 1-1 from Barrier 8. So had every chance, maybe needed that run, and maybe when it goes to Flemington... We might see, you know, a really big improvement off that. Yeah, you'd think the bigger expanses of Flemington yeah. would favour the horse, but I guess I've just wanted to see a little bit more out of it. Even mm. the top of the straight, you're thinking, just give me something yeah. to hang my hat on, but it really just plotted away yeah. in those over those last yeah. 300 metres. And I'm surprised you did get on Land of Plenty. I thought the trials were, you know, very plain. Yeah, look, I don't, I'm not one to necessarily follow trials too closely, yeah. not necessarily because um, I don't, you know, see them, but it's because I don't value them yeah. as much. I think trainers can be looking to do lots yeah. of different things in a trial, and it might have been that Land of Plenty yeah. isn't a horse that they wanted yeah. to trial hard. Or... Yeah. Well, I I agree with you on that point. Like, maybe we can have a quick chat about it now, but with the trials, I don't really follow too much trials as well, and I th- but a lot of punters do, and I think sometimes you see a lot of markets get changed because of trial runs, which can be a trap you can fall in. What I'd like to see at least in a trial is the horse just running through the line and you know that he's going well. So, for example, if you look at, you know, the top sprinters, you know, Santa and Elaine, Parada, Elise, all these type of horses, Osborne Bulls, we know what we're going to get with the trial. They're all going to do the same thing, hit the line under a hold. What I want to see at least in a trial is that happening and if I see a horse that's under a bit of pressure, getting urged on, that gives me a few alarm bells. And I thought I saw that with Land of Plenty where he was getting ridden out. Yeah, and I think it's, it's just so hard to, to draw yeah. a line. So like what we're discussing with the Crawfield Cup. I mean, depending on which trial you end yeah. up in, there might yeah. be horses that are pushed along and therefore it looks like the horse that you're following is under a bit more pressure than yeah. it is. But if it had been in the next trial... It might have been out of cruise to victory. Yeah. So I, I do get your point. I think it's obviously valid. You want to see something in a yeah. trial. But it's never been really something I've fo- um, used as yeah. a betting mechanism in terms of following what a trial yeah. has happened in a trial and then betting on that yeah. horse because of that. And there's so many times you see a horse come out, win by six lengths in a trial, mm. and everyone goes, wow, what was that? How was, you know, what was that performance? And then when it first up run, that horse gets crunched in. Look, I prefer to look at, the form you know it might trial well but who did it trial against and then in the race conditions are completely different and probably more to your point around land of plenty it's first up form 
more so than how it was trialling. And uh, obviously, it's this wasn't the main race for that particular horse in this campaign. So probably got a little bit seduced by the fact that they were, to me, the best two horses in the race, yeah. but probably both not um, peaking for yeah. this particular event. So... I guess there's a bit of a lesson there in terms of uh, how how you go about your betting, but it could have been different. You never know. Some of these horses, Royal Meeting might have come out and won by six, and we'll be talking yeah. about how great a analysts we are in terms of racing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I thought the price was good enough to have a have a crack at it at least. If it was two sixty, I would have left it alone. But three sixty was a price to you know let's have a go at it and see what happens. But I did mention Santa before, and oh. that might lead us to talk a bit about the Everest yesterday. And still too soon. He was close. He was very close. What did you make of the the performance, the run, the ride, the winner? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to cover. Uh, look, um, obviously, my, my day yesterday was r- largely sort of framed around Santa and Elaine's performance, so it's fair to say I'm still licking my wounds on that one. Uh, I thought it was a really good performance by Santa and Elaine. Of course, the winner, yes, 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 was excellent, and we, we wouldn't take anything away from the win for a three-year-old to do that, to take that kind of cash is fantastic. But, uh, I mean, from Glenn Boss's perspective on yes, 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 he just rode an absolute peach of a ride, he managed to box in Santa Anna to, and block the run that might have presented itself at about the 200 and made Santa Anna Lane check and then go around him. So by the time that had happened, yes, 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 had put four lengths on the field and Santa was uh, scrambling, scrambling to get anywhere near him. So, look, fantastic run by both. Definitely not disappointed with Santa Anna Lane and, as we'll probably touch on later, definitely one he continued yeah. to follow. And I still do think Australia's premier sprinter... I just thought the Everest as a spectacle was was fantastic yesterday. Uh, if you look at a Caulfield Cup, but I don't want to knock that, we were talking earlier about the fact that you've got a dartboard sort of field yeah. in terms of the form lines, and it just didn't have that same zing, I think, to it that, that the Everest did. You can, you can follow all these Everest horses. There's a lot of favourites yeah. in there, and it was great to see them all compete yeah. and compete really strongly. Yeah. I think that actually hurt Santa Ana Lane in the end. We had such a strong field that... There were no horses dropping back. All the yeah. great horses moved together in one pack across a line and just left nowhere for Mark yeah. Zara to go. So I definitely don't uh, think that Mark Zara did, had port, um, performed poorly. Sorry, yeah. uh, He definitely put yeah. a great ride in, but, yeah, just got, got yeah. done. I know you have some slightly different views to yeah, that. Yeah, we were debating about this earlier, and I just watched the replay a couple of times, and... I did think, I know Santa and Elaine is a back marker, but when you have a look at the overhead shot when they jump out of the barriers, I did think he could have been that one pair closer. He could have been next to Parada. And in the end, that's the spot that Glenn Boss has taken on. Yes, yes, yes. Glenn Boss is next to Parada. And I thought Zara had an opportunity to be in that position. And so in the end, he's, he's behind yes, yes, yes. And he's got held up just that little bit, whereas he could have been in that spot. That's why you're the analyst, Big V. I, I didn't see that until you showed me it this morning. And you're right, that spot was up for grabs early in the race. And, and Glenn Boss on yes, 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 did take yeah. it. And in the end, it turned out to be yeah. the, the key, the key yeah. move in the race. Yeah. I, know, I know Santa and Elaine is a run on horse. You know, he gets back in the field. But sometimes I just wonder, is being a length closer, is that going to be detrimental to your chances? And I don't think so. Just being a length closer, how much energy are you exerting? And I think not so much. And 
it just opened up a spot for Glenn Boss to be in, get that position, and you know, that's the end of the race. It may not have changed the result. Mm. Yes, 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 was brilliant. Um, but who, who knows? Maybe that just getting held up just slightly, is that the difference? I think it probably was. Yeah. I think if you reverse those positions, Santa and Elaine mm. wins, but... That's, that's yeah. racing. You can probably make that case yeah. for a number of horses yesterday, yeah. not just in the Everest. Yeah. And I think Santa's got enough in the tank or a lot more in the tank for the VRC sprint to go back-to-back. Back. I think. Yeah, I'm just worried about what price I'll get for that now. I, I think, think... yeah, well, if you get... Hopefully, if you get $4, I'll still take it. That was actually my uh, comment I was going to make about Santa and Elaine yesterday, actually. Most of the week, it was $4.50. Did, actually came out to about $5.50. I think you could almost get $6 in some places and actually made it quite backable on an each-way line. Yeah. I uh, I went on the nose, which is because I just thought it was the best horse, but in hindsight, if I'd waited right to the end when the, when it did come out a little bit, it actually made a really good each-way yeah. bet. And you come out a little bit in front, it was two forty on the tote, I think, in the end. Mm. And the, well, the reason why it's gone out is obviously they've come for Acadia Queen and in the end, Chris Waller has conceded that she doesn't have the sprint to match these top sprinters that we have. And in the end, the, the owner's gone the wrong way with the horse. Yeah, she's it's probably better over a little bit more distance, I think. Yeah. Arcadia Queen doesn't well, have well, that same sort of, you well, know... Well, her peak performance was at 1,800. And she's come here 1,200 against Santa and Elaine, who's a... I think four-time Group One winner, five-time, five, five-time, but four-time over the sprint distances. Yes, and then you've got, you know, Parada is no slouch. I think Elise is probably best at twelve hundred fourteen. Then you've got this emerging horse, yes, yes, yes. You know, Sunlight's proven at twelve hundred, although she didn't run well yesterday either. And then Red Zell. So I just thought up against it, I, I think I probably bought into that hype as well. I thought Acadia Queen was the biggest danger to Santa, but in the end, yeah, I think they've gone the wrong way. But Golden Eagle, I think what it means now is for the Golden Eagle, she's drifted out to $4, and she might be really backable now. Whereas if she had a run top three, she's probably a 250 to $3 chance. Yeah, I think the, the connection's probably, uh, probably was worth taking the punt for the yeah. Everest, given given the value and the money that you can win in it and the prestige yeah. of the event. But I think probably won't be seeing that horse in that event in the future um, following that yeah. run. Well, the race that maybe she should have gone for now was the Cox Plate, but she's not in it now. So we've got another set of horses to look at. And following that Corfield Cup result with the, the Japanese horse, they've um, the bookies have decided to trim up the... The Japanese one in the the Cox Plate, uh, understandable, understandable. I think it's into three dollars sixty now. I've yeah. got Avilius, Cape of Good Hope, and Mystic Journey around the seven eight dollar mark. And I think this Liz Grosseau, what what I'm hearing is that is probably you know classes above Murder Glass as well. So if Murder Glass's run was anything to to go by, then we might be in for something special next week. That's ominous, if that's the case. Yeah. I don't know whether 360 is a price I want to be taking right now. I mean, I mean, what do you think is going to get into $3? Will we get $4? Will 
go closer to Saturday? I think if uh, the hype around these Japanese horses continues, I think it might actually shorten as we head towards the race, which is why I'll probably be looking elsewhere, uh, Big V, um, perhaps controversially for you, because I know that you'll probably be on the Japanese horse. Won't want to have another should have backed it in that space no. uh, two weeks in a row, but I still really like Mystic Journey. Yeah. I don't think it's done anything wrong, and I think at $8 becomes very backable yeah. on each way line. Well, I'm surprised she's out to $8. I've, I'd probably have her second favourite. I mean, I've been with Mystic Journey all the way, but I might jump off her. I might get on the Liz Grosseau. And I'm um, hoping that maybe the punters might decide, yeah, let's have something on Avilius. You know, that's a good price now. Mystic Journey, $8. We can't let that go. And Cape of Good Hope. And hopefully that might push out Liz Grosseau to maybe $4. Look, at the current odds, you could probably make a case for having a little two-bet strategy, I think, yeah. going into that race. So uh, that's probably how I'll run it. But, yeah, I think Mystic Journey, $8, and if you get better than that, yeah. represents really good value. Yeah. And I think just as um, on a selfish point, um, not sure if Tiaku Shark might make the field, but I wouldn't be disappointed if I see it in a 1,600-metre race at Flemington. Okay, so you're hoping it doesn't get into the no, cops play then? <laughs> I'm hoping not because then, you know, that might be a good betting opportunity come Flemington time. You know, coming off that Epson form, that was a strong Epson performance. You know, I really would like to see it at the big track. You just uh, sparked my memory of something there, Big V. Now, Pahuta Kawa yesterday. I um, wasn't on our uh, to-do list in terms of talking points today, but I think it's one worth mentioning. We were on it uh, We won it last week and did mention it as one to follow. What did you make of it to run? I think it ended up fourth with a nice little run towards the end, yeah. but never in the race at all. No, I've, I'm still in two minds whether it was a disappointing run or whether it was a quiet run. I've st- I'm still not sure. It didn't have that explosive finish that we usually see with her, and I thought that she should have finished in front of Spanish Whisper. Where they were positioned in the run, Spanish Whisper was further back in the field than where she usually is. And I would have thought that Pahutakawa has got a better turn of foot than Spanish Whisper. And Jalik Rula actually looked to perform better. So I may not have beaten her. I mean, I got a big tip on Sabatiano yesterday, but I stuck to my guns with Pahutakawa. And it might have looked like that that race was set up for Sabatiano to win. And then Pahutakawa to come out Flemington 1600 and that's when we'll see her at her best. Another one for your long list of should have backed it yesterday by the sound yeah. of it. Well, baby. it was frustrating. No, look, I'm not um, too disappointed that I was on Pahutakawa. I just thought that she should have been good enough to finish top three. Yeah, I think with uh, it did get caught sort of between yeah. the 600 and the 400, yeah. looking for room, well, looking for racing room. And when it did get out, it actually came home well. Yeah. But Because well, all of a sudden, what... What I'm scratching my head is, all of a sudden, she was in front of Angelic Ruler, but then she's found herself behind Angelic Ruler when they start making their runs. And caught straight. So it looked like it was a ride that she wasn't really put into the race at any stage, and she only really got going when when the race was over. Whereas you look at at least Damien Oliver on, on Angelic Ruler, and then Spanish Whisper. You know, they were making their moves a bit earlier, while Pahutakawa is still there just waiting. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you, Big V, um, which probably leads in nicely um, in terms of horses that we might still follow, uh, even though that was a horse that, to follow that didn't quite hit the mark yesterday. We've already discussed Anna and Elaine for the VRC Sprint Classic. Uh, we've got Thought of the Day moving towards the Derby, I think it's another one good to follow that we've mentioned. Constantinople into the Melbourne Cup. Are there any others that you're uh, interested in following? Yeah, yeah, I'll add one more to the list. I thought Vegas Jewel was exceptional yesterday. Uh, She's one for the Oaks. She was caught three, four wide, and she had the $151 shot pushing her out a few times and, you know, niggling her a little bit. So that was a big run. She probably should have won yesterday as well with better luck. So, yeah, I'll be following her for the Oaks. It's a good one to note. Now, this week, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited, viewers, uh, listeners, not viewers. We have Big V has done his form. He's, he's gone out to the country tracks. He's brought back some information, some intel, for us to take away from um, Pakenham, I believe. Yeah, it's right? amazing uh, with television nowadays, you can go anywhere you want. And, uh, to watch <laughs> what, you didn't head out there? No, not out to Pakenham. That's out in your woods, isn't it? Uh, not too far. Not too you're far. a big uh, Pakenham boy. You go there <laughs> a few times to the track. Yeah, don't mind going down there. My, um, my dad has a small stable down at Cranbourne and Pakenham's not too much further away and it's a beautiful track down yeah. there. Night racing, we're about to kick into the season now. I'll definitely be hitting there a few times, I think, over the next uh, month or two. Okay. So, Pakenham on Friday night, first race. I thought the first two looked pretty good. Hint of Mint and Night Express. I know Night Express was the ninety favourite uh, and was accepted for Caulfield on Saturday and they've scratched. They probably thought this was the easier option mm-hmm. and just go get the money. But um, Hint of Mint looks pretty good. I think they're both probably horses that might make it to city grade, might see it in the midweek or even, you know, in the Saturday race off-season. So I thought the first two looked pretty good. That's great, Big V. I'm so glad to hear you out yeah. there. I expect some more of this action. And we've got the Seymour yeah. Cup on Sunday of this week as well and other country cups coming. So um, I'm sure you'll be turning your eye to a few more country meetings. And that's our first two from you uh, in well, relation the, to the bush. We've got the Geelong Cup coming up on the Wednesday. and. Yep. With big implications, obviously, for bigger spring carnival races. I think there was one horse that I did mention on the first podcast. I couldn't remember the name. Uh, I think it's Southern Moon. He's going to run in the the Geelong Classic. Mm -hmm. So that's another horse heading towards the Derby. And it'll be interesting to see if Prince of Arran runs in the Geelong Cup as well. I'm hoping maybe it might go to the Mooney Valley Cup. Why is that? Well, we're we're going to the Valley... <laughs> be there. We won. Oh, you want to see it win? I want to see it win. I want to see it win on the back. It. There is always something a bit nicer when you're holding the bookies ticket and you're winning up the track. Must say, um, from my uh, run from the bush, it isn't actually a horse that I'm I'm pushing today. It's whilst everyone else at the uh, Caulfield Racetrack was hovering around uh, the screens watching Randwick and what to, lots of other courses, I went to the Sky Two Channel. And I uh, watched a race down at Avoca, which was one, uh, I think it was about race three, early in the day. And um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Rhonda Mangan, um, who was the rider of the winning horse, Private Profit. And for me, this is really a should have backed it. Um, so it, it was a $43 pop, came down the outside, won really well. And uh, Rhonda is a, a track rider for my, my dad down in his stables in Cranbourne, but she's also a, a country rider who, who gets quite a few rides around the state. And it was great to see 
her come down the outside and win on private profit at a at a really healthy price. Unfortunately, I wasn't on it, um, <laughs> as always is the case. But um, I really is a should have backed it for me from the bush this yeah. week. So um, well done, Rhonda, and well done to the connections there. Well, that's all we have time for on today's Shoulda Backed It podcast, episode three. We're still getting a, a lot of feedback around the show, so keep that rolling in. You can contact us on our Twitter account, at ShouldAbackedIt, getting a nice little following there. And if you want to hear our thoughts on race day and, and get a few of our Big V's tips along the way, please follow that account. Uh, you can also contact the show at shouldabactit at gmail.com. So if you do listen to the podcast and like what you hear, please follow and subscribe. And Phil, you're away for the next week. You're going yep. you're after the Cox Plate. You're off somewhere? Yeah, running away after the Cox Plate, so I won't be around uh, the week, week after that. So we'll be um, pushing the podcast. Yep. Yeah, we'll have a, a two-week break. We'll be back for the Derby Day edition of the Should Have Backed It podcast, and we hope that you will listen to us then. Good luck on the punt.